Radical Life. Radical Life. Well, here I am with Dave Pechtel. Many of you out there listening know him better as, or more fondly as, Pegtop. <laughs> Even though to Dave, he would say, well, Pegtop was a band. It was a group. It was guys. But to, to many, uh, Dave, if I say Dave Pechtel to somebody, they're, they're like, well, what do I say? Pechtel? I mean, you mean Pegtop? Yes, Dave Pegtop. That's who I'm talking about. But I'm with Dave here in his home in Glenwood, Arkansas. And I really just want to refer to you because I'm sitting here looking at you here across the table as old bearded one. Because <laughs> when you traveled with RLS, there might have been a scruff. There might have been a tight, very tight right. beard, mustache, yeah. goatee going at the time. But you're bearded one. And right. you've had this going now for how long? Uh, I think about five years ago. Well, five years, uh, you start growing it out. Yeah. I mean, that's just totally amazing. You know, back in the day when uh, Dave and I first met, we both had hair. Yeah. Uh, a generous yeah. amount of <laughs> hair that covered the top and fell down the front, the sides, the back, and down onto our shoulders. And then over time, it grew. But that's when we met each other, back in the 80s probably towards the mid to latter part somewhere in there we ran into each other at a little festival that that's many right. uh, know as sunshine sunshine that's right you were doing the uh, cutting edge yeah. band and you were playing i saw you from the vantage point of the audience we eventually somehow just started talking or got introduced to each other and uh, one thing led to another and for me the thing that it led to that i remember the most was that it led to you beginning to travel with, with Teen Rescue, RLS. You right. you did a lot of schools yeah. with us. You were working a job in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and you found it possible to get time off, like so many others, to come in and jump in the van, the bus, the, the RV, the whatever it was we had at the time. And Dave began to play, play music with RLS, and one of the things that you told me earlier today was you remember being on a train heading to Seattle, yeah. learning RLS, yes. Yes. which which is something that a lot of us RLS guys did. <laughs> I know for me, I didn't practice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, our practices were kind of our performances. They really yeah. were. We would just right. uh, learn songs, build songs. Most of the time, just rip songs off of <laughs> other artists because I'm not a writer at all. I mean, I shouldn't say that. That would be a lie. I wrote some things, but there are things that, that did well. But you are a writer. You wrote things. As a matter of fact, you wrote one song in particular that RLS picked up on called I Believe in You. Yeah. It became a favorite of mine. Yeah. What do you specifically remember about your time with Teen Rescue? Like I said, you, you practiced our music so that when you got on stage, you always wanted to play well. I, yeah, I... I mean, just because I'm representing right. our father, yes, and I, I want to do things well. But and I always appreciated that. <laughs> I never was a great. You and I have known like gifted musicians. Yes, yes we have. That really don't have to practice to be good. Right. And I'm not one of those. And so I, I do. I just to get by, I have to. I have to practice a lot, and yeah. I still do. I still practice. Um, I try to play guitar every day. Still. I know for me, they say practice makes perfect, but for me, practice just helps me a little bit. In your case, you want to do as 
perfect or as well as you can. So you do, you practice. But your time with RLS, Teen Rescue, we went into a lot of schools. You probably remember some of the, maybe not specific faces, but there was always that crowd Mm -hmm. that stood in front of us. And we were given the opportunity to share things with those kids. What's one of the things that pops off of your mind that we shared with them back in the day? Well, the format that I that I remember is that we would go in and use music really well. You're a great singer. I mean, you could have been a rock star <laughs> with the way you sing, honestly. Uh, you see why I like to have him on the show. Yes, yeah, yes. You had the charisma and the voice that you could have been a rock star. And so that, that drew kids in. Right. It kind of gave you a platform. It made them ready to listen to you, which was a powerful thing, you know, a powerful gift from the father is music and yeah. use it in a really good way. So that pulled kids in and um, not not all kids but certain kids right. would really relate to you right. because of that relate to us because of that and um, the message that you were bringing during the day as I remember was alcohol and drug awareness yes very much so, so yeah which is so important but which we know you can't have victory over without the help of our Savior that's right and so then in the night they would be invited back and it seemed like they all came and maybe some more you sure know did. I mean often it would be just as many at night as there was yeah. at the assembly where they had to be there so I knew that you know your format your ideas your, the spirit on you was powerful mm-hmm. in that way and so in the evening, then you would share your faith yes. and how you came to that faith in, in Jesus and the Messiah and in our Father yeah. and, and how it had changed your life and away from the things you were hoping to save them from. That's right. I mean, it was it was a powerful thing. And, the, and like I said, there were certain kids that really connected yeah. with you. They might pick out a certain member. We had women traveling with us, too, and there would be girls that would connect with them. And there were a few that would connect with me just by because they were interested in guitar or, yes. or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there's some very rich time, not only in the assemblies and in the, what you call it, an assembly at night? We did an assembly I mean, in, the, in the morning right away. Christian then we went concert. into workshops. That's right. Then yeah, we the did in the yeah. evening. Then we did a comeback concert. Yeah. A lot of the kids were touched deeply. Some of them probably not as deeply, but right. seeds were planted. I think anyone that came, unless they just had earplugs in, right. but why would they? <laughs> That's you right. Know? So, and some of them very deeply to the point where they wanted to travel with you yeah. and things like that. So your ministry wasn't just to the kids that were there, though, but it was to me and to other people that played with you and the young people that mm-hmm. showed enough interest to want to travel with you. Right. To where you could disciple them and give them an outlet for ministry. Yeah. I mean, right now, it's like you want to devote your life to Christ. Well, I, he's got work, yes. and, and you can do it. And the way that you would take people like me and like some of these kids and stuff and put them up in front of people and have them talk, you discovered some really good preachers who never would have known that they could right. preach because right. um, you basically required them to do it. And not everybody was great at it, but some of them were great at it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me, there were many times we'd go back to a school and the principal would come up and say, now you do have that one guy still with you, right? Can we hear more from him? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, yes, we do. And yes, we will. Yeah. Yeah, That's all. Because they recognize the gift. And 
it, they may have had been a long time for them to find that gift. Until, right. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't find it until they're late in life. Yeah. But these younger people were kind of thrown into the fire, you know, or thrown into the water to see if they could swim, and, and they did. Right. So with the people that traveled with you, Rick, I think, and you know that now, I mean, by going back, I mean, how many years ago was this? We're talking roughly 33 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. So they, and how can that be when when we're barely that old right now? <laughs> exactly, thirty five tomorrow, isn't it? <laughs> so you're you're meeting with people that had that influence, yeah. and it's a way that you discipled yeah. people in a really strong, influential. You know, part of me when I look back on something this far after the fact, there's parts of me that I wished I would have known more back then of the impact of these little things that we were doing. Yeah. I think what I would have done is did more of the little things because when you're out there doing the work, you're looking for the big thing. Right. You're looking for, uh, how is it they say it in, in today's world? They say, uh, you know, what's the next big thing? And so you're always kind of, even in ministry, you're looking for what's the next big thing when really the next big thing was what Jesus did on the cross mm. 2000 years ago. Mm. That, is always the big thing. Mm -hmm. And everything we do after the fact is we're called by him mm -hmm. to, to be his disciples, to love others, to preach the gospel, to raise up disciples. And part of me wishes I would have known more of how those little things were going to add up the way that they did. Now, maybe I, I didn't know those big things because I was just in, that was my walk. That right. was part of my walk, my right. journey that I was on fact that we were just we were moving fast mm -hmm. i mean we would just get done with the school had spent 12 hours there and then we'd try to get some sleep pack the bags and do it again the next day we did i don't know if you know this or not but the last school that robin and i were in because i kept track of every single school over the years the last school we were in uh, was school number 615 that's how many yeah and i had no idea after doing school one that there would be a school two yeah there was nothing laid out in front of me that said, here's what you're going to be on for the next 30-some years of schools. Yeah. So I always just wondered at the end of every school year, I wonder if I'm ever going to do another one. And obviously we did for many, many years. Yeah. When I think back to the impact that you had on uh, people's lives, I saw what was happening on stage. To me, it was just, it was just so evident. But what I saw... When you were with the group, when you were with the band, when we were traveling in whatever vehicle we were given, I always saw this incredibly gentle, beautiful spirit that would be sitting there with whoever. You just ministered so beautifully to people. In the vehicle, there was a peace that was, always was in, in that vehicle. You especially noticed it, I did anyway, when you weren't with us. It was like, <laughs> why is there some contention today? Mm. You know, and one of the reasons why is Dave's not here. The old line, Dave's not here. <laughs> and I thank God for the, the season that he gave me to have you with, that he gave Teen Rescue, the band, for the time that you were with. Because you went on to do an unbelievable, I, I don't know how many years it was with Peg Top, with the band. If I needed some encouragement, some joy brought to me, you know, I'll never forget a concert of yours that I showed up at over in Stillwater. Hmm. You guys were playing with a bunch of other bands from California, Southern 
you know, uh, the, the lost dogs. Lost dogs. Yeah, and these guys here have been around for a million years yeah. and have put out unbelievable numbers of albums and were just some of the best of the best. You know, I knew who they all were because I follow many of them around as a youth pastor and take my kids to hear them. But I went over there to see you. I went to mm. see you and Terry. And yeah. I think more than likely uh, yeah. Matt yeah. Patrick was on bass. Yeah. To see you guys, to sit there in that park and to listen to you guys and to see the response of the people <laughs> was just so crazy. You know, to the majority that were sitting there was, who are the lost dogs? And I'm going, wow. It was evident they didn't know who the lost dogs were because they were all sitting out there chatting to each other. And then you guys get up and I'm just like, and they're stealing the show. <laughs> We're stealing the show as it should be. There's just so many beautiful songs that you've wrote over the years. I'm not going to ask you questions like, how many songs have you written? Because you're just going to say, I don't know. I just know that's already, so I'm yeah. not going to ask you a lot. I'm going to go with a lot. All right. You've got a, a stack of, of uh, CDs that have been recorded over the years, but songs that you wrote, like the one today that, that I even quoted from in a conversation by using the line a thimble of foam. Yeah. That song is everything I own. Everything I own. Uh, I just this morning got to share with Robin on the way here a little bit about that song that has also been covered by our friend Jason Gray. Share with us just a little bit about that song, the meaning of the song, maybe some lines from the okay. song. A lot of the songs that I wrote, I don't really like them anymore. That was a really hard time in my life. Yeah. You know, as you as you know. And so a lot of the songs came out of, were kind of psalm-like. You know, you read some of the psalms and the kind of depression, oppression, you know, right. that, that David or any of the, of the psalm writers might have went through. And that, so some of my songs are almost too honest. Like some of the psalms, David's psalms, are almost too honest. If we could put him on mic yeah. tonight, I think he'd be saying some of the exact things singing you right now yeah maybe i was too honest yeah and there it is in the bible yeah i mean seriously you read some of those psalms and you go you can't put that in the can't bible do that, yeah, yeah that can't be in the bible yeah. and that's how some of my songs were it's like christians i mean i had some of that criticism like this isn't a christian song but you know seriously <laughs> because it doesn't end well you know what i mean <laughs> and all christian songs have to end happy well no, um right. not if you're honest right and that is part of our christian life yeah. We read the Bible, right? Honesty. Yeah, the Bible never covers up the flaws of its heroes, you know. And so, I guess needing to express some of those things, but and also knowing that there were other people out there that are going through similar or, or maybe Fair exactly the same thing, as you know by their response. Yeah, exactly. So this was a song like that. It it was after my divorce, and I have was taking care of my children during the week, and then I would travel, do music on the weekends, and they would go with their mother. And so it was written, and they were living with in the tent out in Wisconsin, and it was out there that I that I wrote this song, and I was just sitting there thinking about some things. One of them was that I was kind of discouraged that my Christian walk hadn't progressed further at, right. by then, and I'm just looking back on my life, going, man, I guess evaluating how I'd spent my time and realizing that most of the time that we spend as humans is on things that don't matter very much. Right. And wishing that I had spent more time on things that mattered. So it, it just kind of goes through. What would I give? What would I give? Yeah. yeah to be pure in heart is, is how it starts out. And everything I own is, is the title. So what would I give for the words of God to come tumbling from the throne? What would I give for the words of God? I'd give everything I own. And... 
I'd open my head and they'd roll right in. I'd open my mouth and they'd roll out again. They'd uproot the weeds of the deeds I have sown. I'd give everything I own. And there's three verses kind of like that. And that was the first. That was the second verse. Second verse. Yeah, that was the second verse. First verse. What would I give to be pure in heart, to be pure in flesh and bone? What would I give to be pure in heart? I'd give everything I own. I'd rid my whole house of its demons of lust and open the windows of trust. And out of those windows, all fear will have flown. I'd give everything I own. And I'll do the third one too, because Please. it's just the most important to me. What would I give for my children's strength yes. on the day they stand alone? Yes. What would I give for their strength to stand firm? I'd give everything I own. I've wasted my life accomplishing things, ignoring the giver of wings. Lord, teach them to fly to the foot of your throne. I'd give everything I own. And then it goes on and compares what Jesus did for us on the cross, to give everything he owned. And that's our hope. That's, that's the hope that we have. So the song was kind of written out of despair, I guess yeah. you could say. It's one of the few songs that I wrote that I still still touches me when I sing it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I, so I still do sing it once in a while. There's about maybe three songs like that that I wrote. The other ones I don't think I could even play them anymore. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What would I give? I know every time I hear it, it just brings all that's in me. It just causes everything to float to the top, and my eyes just well up, and I just cry. Because that is, I think, what every father, every mm -hmm. mother wants for their children, is uh, that one day knowing we're all going to stand before, yeah. before the Father. Yeah. And we want them to be found in Him. Yeah. There's just nothing more important. Yeah. Another song that you uh, you did while traveling with Teen Rescue that we picked up on was the song, I Believe in You. Yeah. Do you remember what setting you were in when you wrote that song? Yeah, I mean, I, I do remember the story I used to tell of that song. Can yeah. you tell us? You know, <laughs> it's funny because I found a recording of Big Top's final concert, and I told that story. It took 15 minutes. <laughs> I took 15 minutes of concert time to tell that story, so I'm not going to do that now. Take as much but, time as you want. <laughs> no, I'll try to tell a compact version of it. So basically, it goes back to high school. I wanted to go hiking. Couldn't find anybody to go with me, so I'm just I'm going to go. And my mom and dad allowed me to borrow their car. And I was in Seattle at the time. So I drove up toward the summit of the Cascade Mountains. I had picked out a, a lake on the map, so I parked. And I mean, the journey to the lake was almost impossible. And I was in really good shape at the time. I was an athlete and stuff, and I almost couldn't do it. I was carrying a rubber raft for one thing, and that was probably not, a, not smart because it was heavy, and all my camping gear. But anyway, I, I finally made it to the top of this mountain and I was so pumped to find this lake. I could see off through the trees. I'm seeing it right now. I can still see yes. it. the glint of sunlight off of the water. Now I'm, I'm celebrating, praising God. And I was trying to praise him all the way up the mountain, although it was hard. I was trying to alert, teach myself to praise God even when things are difficult. So all the way up that mountain, I'm praising God. And, and you're, a, you're a teenager. I'm a teenager. Almost yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah, I guess it is, yeah. And I can remember it like it, like it was yesterday, um, which there aren't many things like that in my life right. <laughs> that I can but remember. But you've got one. this one. Yeah, and probably because I told the story that, that so many times, I suppose that helps. But anyway, 
So I'm coming up on, on the lake. Here I am. I finally found the lake. And as I'm getting closer, I'm starting to be suspicious that this thing isn't very big because I can see the glint of sunlight off of water, but it's only in one little spot. So I'm getting closer and closer, realizing, man, this is, this is just a pond. It didn't look like a pond on the map. Now I'm almost kind of mad about the map guys, you know, and stuff. It was a little, just a little pond. It was shallow. The water was very clear, and I couldn't see fish. I didn't have a lot of hope, but I went ahead and went fishing. I blew up my raft, and uh, <laughs> I'm floating around in this little pond, which I could throw a rock across. I mean, it's, it's about how big it was. I could cast all the way to the other shore from one. But I had my raft, so I wasn't going to, like, not use it. And so I, I blew it up. And, and then I see a, another hiker coming, and now I'm embarrassed because I'm thinking, <sighs> He's going to see me with a raft in this little pond. And, and he did. He came up, and so we're talking. And I knew he was going to ask me how fishing was. And he finally asked me how fishing was. And I had to tell him I hadn't caught anything, but maybe tonight, you know. Anyway, just before he left, he pointed it off towards the north. And he said, if you don't catch any fish here, you should go over and try the lake. And I wasn't at the lake. So, so it <laughs> the was one a, that the map The one the map showed, yeah, I wasn't there. He stopped short. Yeah, I stopped short. Yeah, I thought I was at the lake, and I stopped short. And so I walked. It was just a few hundred yards further, and the land falls away. It's like a huge drop and a sheer cliff, and I'm approaching this cliff, and then all of a sudden I can see this beautiful, big, powder blue. It's glacier-fed, so it was this light blue, beautiful lake down there. Um, I made my way down and had a great time fishing and, and so forth. And, well, the images from that song are from that experience where I had thought I was at the lake and I wasn't, yeah. but I needed to press on to the lake. And just the experience that I had there, I, I felt like I had maybe found where God lives. I mean, you know, as a teenager, it, it was just a, an amazing spiritual experience my. that I had. Right, It's the images this, that the song is based on. And the song begins, and the moon shines on the waterline. Yeah, and it makes me think of and you. it makes me think of you. Venus and Mars, all the trees and the stars make me think about you too. The wind and the waves are the sound effects as the coals fan into flame. And I echo the word that my spirit heard as my lips rehearsed your name. I believe in you. I believe in you. Dave shared that story in schools many, many times. Wow. Wow. That was powerful. It was just fantastic. traveling with RLS, who typically, who, who do you remember on stage around you and, and up there with us? Because I'm trying to... Full well, uh, you know, I, well, I have to say this. 
that if it hadn't been for RLS, I, you know, Peg Top never would have been because the people I played with right. are people that played with me in Peg Top. So, Wes, yeah, yeah, Wes, Wes Thompson, Wes Terry was, Steinmeier. Yeah, Terry and Wes. Uh, ben were, Kervin. Yeah, Ben played. There were several, several yeah. people that, that played with, with Peg Eventually, Top. Eventually, Matt Patrick yeah. came along, yeah. was a big part of Peg Top. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you know that Matt was a kid who heard me speak at a Students Against Junk Driver conference in St. Cloud. He was just a kid out there yeah. listening. He took what I said, went back home with the information, started to just live radically within his high school setting for Christ and for standing up against drunk driving. He then went to one of his advisors there in the school and said, I would like to bring some bands in and a speaker and uh, hold a deal at our school for outreach to reach out to kids for bad, bands against drugs, he called okay. it. So this 15-year-old kid, yeah, that's right, Patrick, that's right. Yeah. calls me up, sets me up to come and speak, sets up the finances, does all the advertising. I thought I was dealing with a high school advisor. Yeah. I had no idea it was a kid. Yeah. I had no idea that he'd been there at the St. Cloud thing for kids. I show up and a kid meets me coming up the door of the school. I go, say, I'm looking for Matt Patrick. He's like, I'm Matt Patrick. I just had to just totally do a readjust going, what? Yeah, I'm Matt Patrick. I, I met you in St. Cloud when you spoke to all of us. And I, I said, Matt, there was a thousand kids in there. How could I have known it was you? He says, well, I just know that, that what you told us, I came home and I started to do and I'm in charge of this thing now, so thanks for being here. Oh, here, here's your money before we even start the, the whole thing. Here's, here's your check. And I'm just going, what in the world? Where yeah. did this kid come from? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's where Matt came from, a high school kid. Yeah. Who ends up years later. I mean, know, and he's, I mean, he's an amazing person. Yeah. Amazing musician. And and Terry, too. I mean, Same both. Them, uh, yeah, I met him when he was in high school also. Again, it didn't take much when I was 24, and these guys were six years younger than me, 24 to 6, you know, they're 18. They're still in high school. They're seniors in yeah. high school or, or less. But at the time, you know, they looked at me as a 24-year-old thinking how old I was. Yeah. And I was looking at them as high school kids. Yeah, right. And then eventually, it doesn't take more than a handful of years, they're out traveling yeah. with our RLS. Yeah. You guys meeting each other. You guys knocking off new songs while we're traveling. Yeah. And I'm listening to all this going on while I'm sitting up in the front seat most of the time going, this is cool. The connections that were made. Yeah. That you guys well, on. and I'm going back to what I said earlier. You put people in positions that push them and they found themselves. I know Peg Top couldn't have been if it hadn't been for RLS because everybody right. on Peg Top came from RLS <laughs> at one point or another. And so, and all of them were people that you in one way or another influenced and challenged. You know, to get out and do do this thing. Because a lot of us feel love for God. A lot of us feel a devotion to Christ. Yes. But not a lot of us know what to do with that. Right. You um, have helped a lot of us to know what to do with that. Yeah, the guys I played with in RLS. Um, it was uh, an amazing. And others that you remember that you mentioned earlier today, uh, Dwight Linder. Yeah, Dwight. We called him D. White Boy. D. White Boy. He went, <laughs> went on to, to do a rap. Yeah. DJ thing in in the schools, Cindy Thompson. Yeah, I remember you watched her, really her well. go from really a very shy girl yeah. playing her keyboards to pretty soon grabbing a guitar, writing songs, 
having her own recording. Well, and, and her seminars, I mean, she became yeah. so bold as a speaker, too. Oh, boy. Really. Yeah. Took you know, all the things that were in her life that were, were very troublesome. Yeah. And she would share them with the girls. She just had, she had a lineup. I mean, usually after a concert, yeah. or after a thing, I'm signing autographs and all my band members are lined up with people needing counseling. Because yeah, you guys yeah. really, you, you spilled your guts. Yeah. Especially Cindy. Cindy did, really. She just spilled her guts, that, and she yeah. just had a lineup of people oh. just wanting more advice. Yeah, because they're so, going through the same thing. Same thing. Yeah, she was amazing. Wow. Uh, Eric Holmberg. Yeah, Eric. I saw Eric, you That's know. That's another guy. I mean, it's like you start diving into the lives of these people and the gifting that they have, the intellect of that young man. Yeah. He could think circles around me, seriously. <laughs> and he could write. Uh, music around circles around me right. too. I mean, the yeah. guy was amazing. Well, we could go on talking about the folks that, that were involved. Your time with us was invaluable, was amazing. The years to follow, and here we are today. Yeah. This setting where God is still working things in and through us. You know, our journey isn't over, no. not even close. No. I know personally what I believe is that we're living in a little bit of perilous days. Yeah. We always live with that hope of His coming. We live in that hope in the people of this planet coming to Christ, that there'll be a great awakening, that there'll be a revival, that there will be a, a surge of folks that will cry out to God. Mm. You, know? you know, it's a, it's an exciting time, really, because things Very. are happening, and as people put their trust in the Father yeah. and walk in obedience... He's promised to protect us. Yes. And these are perilous times, but that's when we'll see the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis is mm-hmm. when is as times become perilous and we listen to learn to listen and obey that voice. Yes. And walk in it. We don't have to be afraid. That's right. I mean, what are you gonna fear? Because that's right. What are they gonna do? They might kill me, but they they, might, yeah. Yeah, that's just a ticket home, you know. That's right. When we trust the father completely, there is no fear. Because the Bible says that they, meaning the disciples, those who follow Christ, they did not love their life even unto death. And that is spoken of when it's said, how do we defeat Satan? How do we overcome evil? How do we overcome the accuser of the brethren? By the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and that we did not even love our life even unto death. death. And that is what we call a radical life. It's a radical life. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Dave Pechtal. It was great being with him in Arkansas. Keep your eyes posted for more interviews coming up on our Teen Rescue Facebook group page. All of our other Radical Life Support podcasts can be found at our website at radicallifesupport.buzzsprout.com. You can also contact us via email at rickandrobinmoe at gmail.com. We'll talk to you next time.